welcome from Amsterdam, and thanks for tuning in to a new episode of Game Consultant. Your host of today is Reinout. It is Sunday, March the twenty-second. Welcome to a new episode, episode twelve of Game Consultant. Um, so, first of all, uh, thank you for listening and. Um, the last couple of weeks have been really interesting. I had interviews with Odile, uh, Dean, uh, Oscar Clark, and today you're going to listen to Jacob and Teddy about the Nordic game. Very uh, fun interview. Again, I have to say, uh, I have been laughing a lot, although we address uh, and cover serious topics. Um, there is fun also, and definitely in these times, I think... Um, it's good to laugh. Um, further on, we have uh, Chris Reed. And Chris is basically explaining how he wants to do his new item. And he's calling it Read Things. That sounds heavy. Anyway, so uh, it's about esports. And um, it's not about results and these kind of things. But more his ideas about esports. Um, uh, what's going on? What is interesting? What do you have? What do you should know? You know? Yeah, I know. Anyways, uh, and then the latest game news. And that's actually, I want to start with quickly go through it. It's not going to be one hour. Uh, as I said, uh, on the Wednesday, I want to do the longer interviews for, well, anywhere, uh, 40, 50 minutes. And then on Sunday, I want to do the regular. Uh, uh, episode um, for two companies it's going to be a bit disappointing because since I want to get it a little bit shorter I can't do the companies to watch today but I promise next week definite and those are two very interesting companies so um, oh building up the excitement <laughs> anyways uh, let's start with the news So the latest news, um, I actually did see quite a lot of news. Um, maybe that is still news that was written, uh, press releases that were ready. I don't know. I'm, I'm really wondering how the next two weeks will continue with news. Uh, as for Holland, we don't have schools till April the 6th. In fact, they still expect a spike over here in people that will be contaminated with the coronavirus. So... Let's see. Um, let me give this a start. Uh, where do I start with them? I start with Adjust. Uh, Adjust is hiring Villa, Villa Mikola. Uh, he's heading up a coalition against ad fraud. I find it interesting um, uh, because in 2019, ad fraud was claimed to be 42 billion of the money generated through ads. Um, so uh, I guess he has quite an interesting task ahead of him. Good luck, Villa. Um, Platica is donating its catered meals to local community to help against coronavirus. I've seen more initiatives, initiatives where gaming companies are helping people in distress. If you have something that you're doing as a local game company, please do share it with me because, you know, uh, I think it's worthwhile mentioning, and who knows, maybe I can get something moving 
games against Corona, hashtag something like that. Um, next to that is only one-third of the CEOs in games started their working lives in the industry. And the research was done by Quali. If you want to read more about it, go to pocketgamer.biz and search on Quali. That's K-W-A-L-E-E. Um, of that third of executives, 30% got started as a programmer, while a further 30% started as, a indie, as indie developers and entrepreneurs. Meanwhile, 13% kicked off their careers as a game designer, and 9% were involved in production, and the final 17% compromises of accountancy, uh-oh, games testing, art, and internal roles. Hmm. Interesting. Um, let me see. Scopely, of course. Again. How are these guys doing it? Scopely secures an additional 200 million in Series Day D for a total of 400 million US dollars. Um, and the extras, well, the extra 200 million came from private family owned business advance and consumer-focused investment company, the Churning Group. Uh, I guess we're going to see more acquisitions. Hopefully, I can get someone to say something for the podcast. Pokemon grosses 2.6 million in the first month. US is leading that. Uh, players spent in installs as the total is exceeding the 2.3 million. That's according to Sensor Tower. Further on, Tencent International uh, is reaching Spurs Continue. Wow, what is this saying, actually? Tencent International reach Spurs Continued Growth in Q4. Guys of GamesIndustry.biz, make some nice headlines. This one is really difficult. Uh, the Chinese gaming giant saw profits up against last quarter and for all of 2019. So... What can we say? Uh, Tencent brought the total revenues up to 106 billion RMBs, which is, I would say, 15, yeah, 50 million, 50 billion dollars, which is 25% up. Oh man, Tencent. Um, VentureBeat came out with a story about Fanglory founders that raised 2.5 million for Bazooka Tango, the mobile game studio. Bo Daly is the founding CEO, and um, as I recall, he was also a CEO of the Super Evo Megacorp company, and he started a new company with Stephen Sherman. Uh, interesting to follow these guys, and I'm thinking they actually started to work on an IP with or for Fanglory, but I need to check on that. Um, further on, what do we have? Oh yeah, the last one, Facebook, 90% of those who got a guest cast for christmas who are new to oculus i always want to say cast but this quest uh during the introduction video for facebook game developer showcase oculus uh oculus chris pritt pritt how will you say that name revealed an interesting stat regarding just how popular the oculus quest has been since its may release we look at the folks that turned on their devices around Christmas in 2019, and 90% of those people are brand new to the Oculus. Okay, 
Now, if we could add numbers to it, we would know if this is actually continued to take a flight or not. In any case, that was quickly the news of last week. Let's continue with Chris Reed. Right now, I want to thank you for the opportunity to do this segment again. I'm really excited to do this. And I was kind of going through what we should call this. And and I have a name, but I want to make sure that everybody knows what this is going to be about. So each week, my goal is to bring uh, my thoughts from the esports industry. So knowing that, I'd like to call this Read Thinks. It's definitely not going to be um, a rote thing looking at team scores and things like that because you can get that anywhere. So it's going to be a little bit more about what I've internalized in the space, what has happened, um, and just kind of my thoughts as to what's going on. So we're going to jump right into this. Um, look, last Wednesday was just a, a huge inflection point in a day that in the traditional sports world, people will never forget because Wednesday is the day that the National Basketball Association suspended their season. And I, it was crazy when they it was um, it was Wednesday evening and the uh, the video of Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, when he found out he jolted back in his seat and I mean he was just shocked. Um, so if he was that shocked, I mean think about everybody else. It was just it just sent a wave through uh, through Twitter and just people were just it was just um, it was wild. So once that happened, it was obviously a cascading effect. Other leagues uh, canceled by, by you know within 24 hours or not canceled but suspended their seasons. Um, and then, you know, for example, college basketball NCAA they they did cancel um, the the entire um, March Madness and I mean basketball country. So everybody was a little upset about that. But you know, people have to get over it. It's what it is. What it is. Um, it's a situation that we're all unfortunately in. But Wednesday and Thursday was a massive day um, just for traditional sports because it, it was halted and it opened up the opportunity for the esports space because. Literally, what happened was there was nothing left. There was nothing left of traditional sports. You you can't consume traditional sports right now unless it's reruns. So that opened up the opportunity to go into the digital space, to go into the streaming world, to to engage with fans in a different way, or potentially a different way. Because because I think a lot of look esports and kind of the digital world streaming has been a one off, in my opinion, in general, in general. In the with the mainstream, as far as oh yeah, we'll get to that. We'll do a few streams here and there, but it's never been looked at like the primary way to engage with fans and followers. So once that happened Wednesday, Thursday, I want to go over a couple things for the some of the transitional stories of what's happened to these physical events that have went to streaming, for example. So the Phoenix Suns moved quickly on this. So this is an article from ArizonaSports.com. Suns turned to Twitch to play Mavericks during NBA postponement. So within 24 hours, the Suns came out and said, okay, we're going to play the rest of the regular season on NBA 2K. It was a massive announcement. People on Twitter going crazy. The NBA 2K scene, obviously they've been waiting for something like this um, as far as exposure and talking about the community and things like that. Because um, the article actually said, just because there's no NBA season doesn't mean there's no basketball. So it's that, it's that transition from the physical world to the digital world, essentially. And then streaming this on Twitch. So how they did this was a streamer, Antonio Saldivar, represented the Suns, while Lawrence Buddy Norman, um, the brand ambassador for Mavericks Gaming, represented Dallas Mavericks. Um, and they ended up playing. In the, it's uh, Phoenix actually ended up losing, uh, so the Mavericks won 150 to 136. 
But this was a regular season game that's supposed to be played on Friday, and they played this on Twitch on Thursday on NBA 2K. There were here. This is the numbers. It's amazing. There were more than twelve thousand five hundred people at peak watching this game, which made it a top ten stream on Twitch, which is absolutely incredible. So something is kind of put together. Uh, and again, not putting this down, the, I think a lot of the execution could have been better. But look, they did this within 24 hours. They, you know, they got the announcement. They said, okay, we're going to move it to Twitch. Um, they got a couple streamers together, and they did it. So um, obviously, execution can be better, but things get better over time, right? And we'll talk about this in just a second. Um, but yeah, over 12,500 people watched that stream at one point uh, for peak. And it was a top 10 stream. absolutely incredible. So look at that engagement. I mean, understand the engagement there. And this was on the, their Twitch channel. It was Phoenix underscore Suns. There was kind of a controversy. They didn't put the link in the in on uh, some of their tweets, and people didn't know where to go. So think about that. I mean, once that execution is cleaned up, think about all the engagement they're going to have throughout the rest of the season. So it was just a big moment for the Suns. I think you know the decision makers there. They did a great job to get that on Twitch, to get that going and engaging with their fans. Uh, also, obviously with with the Mavericks being able to do that as well. Um, so it was it was a, that was a really interesting story. That was the first one that really broke. So Kellen Olson went on Twitter and, and said this: "Sun's first Twitch stream of the games left on the schedule via playing NBA 2K was a tremendous success. Viewership kept climbing, a rarity on Twitch. At one point, it was over twelve thousand five hundred viewers, which put them as a top ten among all live channels on the platform. Awesome stuff. So that was kind of the NBA side. The, the other story I wanted to bring up was uh, Formula One." Um, Formula One, obviously, with everything else, um, had a, that had an event this weekend was going to be canceled uh, or, or was suspended technically. And so the event was suspended. It was an event in Australia. It was the Australian Grand Prix that was scheduled for Sunday. Well, they said the kind of the same thing. They said, okay, that if it's going to be suspended, we're going to go to Twitch and we're going to engage with our followers there. We're going to give them something to watch. We're going to give them something to consume. So what they did is they had this is from uh, talksport.com. They had uh, Lando Norris of McLaren. They had him come on, and uh, he had over, he has over two hundred thousand followers on Twitch. And they broadcasted the battle, and they called it "Not in the AUSGP," so kind of the moniker "Not the Australian Grand Prix," which was also hosted by Valacha Esports. I mentioned Valacha Esports because Jamie McLaurin and his team is coming on Level Up Experience. So can't wait to talk to those guys in the next couple of weeks. Make sure to check that out. Um, but this, you thought those numbers were huge in NBA 2K? Listen to this. The live stream proved to be a huge fit with fans, getting over 70,000 viewers and smashing F1's all-time concurrent record. On the broadcast, he said, I'm so happy right now. I'm shivering kind of nuts. Am I the highest viewed on Twitch right now? I never thought I'd get here. Feels like a lot of support for me. Thank you very much. The number one Twitch stream? This was the number one Twitch stream. Like People have to understand how big of a deal that is. So an event that wasn't going to happen, they transitioned it to Twitch and really not knowing what the engagement was going to be. So, you know, kudos uh, to decision makers. It's moving. That's that's taking the risk and the chance of doing it. I th- think it's the right move. Um, they did it. And look what happened. Number one, the number one Twitch stream is absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And so the engagement is there. Uh, people want this to happen. They want to be able to watch this event because the physical event's not happening. And you're not going to get the exact viewership, potentially, right, on, on traditional on ne- traditional networks. But you're going to get incredible engagement that you otherwise wouldn't have. If they didn't do this, guess how much engagement they would have got? Zero. So think about that. You're going to see – it's just a huge point right now 
for esports uh, as far as connecting people. And again, more than just watching an event, but really connecting people, the social aspect. You know, we're, we're talking about social distancing. Well, this brought tens of thousands of people together. So people have to think about that. It's like it's the it's the it's the anti-social distancing, but we're also so social distancing in the physical world. So I know I went a little deep on that, but it's this is really interesting. Um, it's going to continue. Obviously, we have no idea with the coronavirus what's going to happen. We, we I mean, people have you know speculations and all that. We have no idea how long this is going to be. Um, and until then, until physical events start happening again, you're gonna, they're going to have to turn to Twitch. They're going to turn to YouTube. They're going to have to turn to streaming. Um, to have that, in, that type of engage that live engagement, so I'm really excited to see what happens with it and all the different activations that we're going to see. Rhinot, thanks again for having me on. I really appreciate it. So, turn in next week for another read. Thanks. Okay, um, two very interesting guys in the podcast. I have Jacob and Teddy of Nordic Game, and I promised them I would only say Nordic Game, and then they can fill in the blanks. So, guys, take it away. Nordic Game, tell me all about it. Okay, Teddy, you will you go first? No, you go ahead. You've been there for ages, right? So. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I'm talking about... <laughs> <Decades. my> <laughs> You're the old one. Okay. I'm leaving now. Don't want to talk about my age. Okay. So, <laughs> I've been with Nordic Game uh, quite some years now, and um, and we used to be a government-funded program to kind of unify uh, the Nordic countries into a, uh, yeah, a unified um, scene for game development. And we were really uh, lucky and uh, had the right timing in doing so just when the whole gaming uh, phenomenon really boomed uh, in the Nordic countries with games like Battlefield and uh, Angry Birds from Rovio. And uh, basically all the Nordic uh, countries, they had like really good momentum at that time. So we were able to build up uh, a supporting role, which is exactly what we are for the the entire Nordic region in terms of uh, giving game developers the best possible uh, ways to do their business, whether it it is uh, actually developing games, having a place to gather, uh, getting the right funding, talking to publishers, um, helping the grassroots, the, the, the first starters, to become more secure in uh, how they how they act uh, in the industry and so forth, and part of this was to establish the Nordic Game Conference in Malmo, and in Sweden, and it, we've been doing that for 16 editions, um, with the 17th edition coming up uh, in late May this year, and an, a new uh, edition of Nordic Game Conference 2020 in late November. We can talk a little bit later about the actual uh, content of each event and how why we choose to do so yep. but um but basically yeah that's the naughty game the conference i think that is what is mostly known in by your listeners as a, a game conference for developers what is a uh, kind of uh, our strength is that we we are doing it on the backbone of a really really strong nordic community that actually it crosses borders in many ways, and it's not just nationalistic focused. Yeah. So, so we are in a strong position there because we have the community already, and that is something that we that we uh, are quite proud of. 
that we have been able to find finding ways to support that in in a way that Nordic Game, the conference, one of our strong sites, I guess, or brand, uh, one of our brands is that it's a place where you feel at home. Uh, it's an intimate yet really big conference. Uh, it's a place where you don't feel like uh, that you are in the in, you know in the bottom of the food chain, even if you meet some. Uh, some uh, execs it's a it's a it's a vip free environment to uh, to the most extent, extent that we can get it uh and it's a it's a place where you come out after three days of conference uh, going with a smile on your face and an appetite for actually using the tools that you've uh, been provided at the conference to be able to make even better games yeah Okay, that, long, that was a long rant there. <laughs> to add yeah. on that, you know, when I've joined Nordic was about six years ago. And, uh, you know, the conference uh, was very, very strong in the Nordic region. I think one of the reasons that I got on board was to internationalize it further. So I could see that the trend came like last week, last year's edition, we had about 45% international audiences. And this keeps growing. So we're starting to be basically like a, uh, so like Nordic kind of initially focused conference that brings a family of like, intimate experiences through uh, a lot of like, you know, business, emotions and knowledge that actually welcomes the whole world. So we're seen pretty much as a sort of like, you know, GDC of Europe in a more miniature basis in terms of like, you know, high level lectures, a lot of business and of course, a lot of parties as Jacob likes. If you say uh, that percentage wise, that, that is with visitors, if you select uh, companies to uh, be on stage, are you then keeping an eye open for where well, the regions where they come from. Can we expect Asian companies, US, Latin? Yeah, Middle absolutely. Um, in fact, you know, um, of course, with the coronavirus, I mean, we've been hit on one of our major audiences that are coming from, from Korea, China, and Japan. We have uh, a lot of publishers coming from there, investors, basically project funders and equity funders that yeah. come every year. We have delegations actually coming from the Chinese government that uh, come there and they have a specific purpose to find new games to, to create long-term partnerships with the uh, regional developers, but also with the European ones. And uh, of course, uh, uh, my goal was to make it a very multicultural event. And then uh, one of the aspects of bringing that into place was through country delegations. So uh, in time, we reached out and uh, started having constantly like Canadian delegation with a booth there and game developers, a Swiss, a Greek, a Romanian, a Moldovan even. So uh, and we're even talking to Latin America. So, of course, uh, our global uh, uh, impact is coming stronger. And uh, once we uh, survive this period of uncertainty for the next few weeks, uh, we hope to come back on board even stronger with that kind of element of uh, connecting the Nordic to the, uh, to the world, basically. Yeah, yeah I, I I agree on what Teddy says. I just want to you know put in an extra facet here is that you know I I, I tend to look at Naughty Game as a window, uh, a window into the from people outside a window into the region and and uh, to get the you know the flavor of the Nordic game development scene and a window from the game development community in Nordic to the outside world to be able to present themselves and to reach out and meet with internationals. So this doesn't mean that we are, we are, you know, as, as Teddy also says, it's not about Nordic anymore, we're an international conference, but it's meant as we, we really feel that there is some special elements within the Nordic uh, yeah. community culture that is beneficial for everyone to learn yeah. about how to, you know, how to build communities, uh, how uh, company culture is, uh, 
done the best possible way and so forth. There's pretty so there's a good list of of interesting stuff being done in the Nordic countries that you know everyone should benefit from. Absolutely, I think and also for for other governments, I would say also to learn from what the Nordics have done. I mean, a lot of people are saying Finland's and it's uh, take as what is now business Finland, yeah, but also Sweden, uh, Denmark. I mean, uh, it, it feels more vibrant when it comes to investments and definitely vibrant for startups. I mean. There are several programs where you can benefit from. Yeah, that's true. And from our point of view, what we have tried to done, tried to do in that area, um, me and Teddy, we uh, invented what is called the Nordic Game Discovery Contest, uh, which is basically uh, a live on-stage pitching battle between selected uh, developers. Uh, in a in a long process that starts uh, in their home countries at events or conferences there, where they where they kind of battle each other on stage, and then the winner from each of these battles all around the world they gather in uh, in at the big finals at Nordic Game the conference in May or November, yeah. and uh, and that and then for for me the 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 greatest thing about this has been that. We started it off by we wanted to do like a a pitching competition to uh, you know to create more uh, companies to get a, a fair chance of getting their games discovered, but but as we've been doing it and now we're in season four of this, we've been starting to reach out for for what you could call emergent markets uh, at least in terms of the development communities in countries like South Africa, uh, Brazil, and you know. Countries that have hasn't got the same line of time that we in Nordic has have has had uh, throughout the years in on the game development scene, but it's coming there now, and that is some some of the most amazing things I think we are, we have seen with our contest is that we're actually able to help uh, the communities in these countries by by doing these pitching battles and taking the winners to Nordic Game where they learn so much, uh, not learn from lectures, but really learn from the people there, yeah. networking, getting new contacts, starting to create the communities because you know communities in essence is about communication and, and networking. So that's, a, that's one thing that I think that, I, that we're really proud of is to see that we can actually play a part in these uh, countries by sharing our knowledge and how you know, we, we, how we did in the Nordic region. Yeah. So then the inevitable question anyways, I mean, Corona is then delaying, postponing, canceling events. Um, as we also have seen uh, with soccer, the European championships are uh, to 221. Uh, now the FIFA is saying like, hey guys, that's actually interfering with our plan. Yeah. If you now look, that's, yeah. <laughs> why work together? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you look at all these events, if GDC is actually moving up to, let's say, the end of the summer, August, uh, or let's say end of July, we have August, we have Gamescom, we have other events. Um, how do, are you guys in contact with with conferences uh, around the world like, hey guys, uh, maybe not smart if you come close to one of our dates or is, is there any communication where, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, such a big GDC and such a big Gamescom, they can steal the light, I think, out of, of from an event that people should att uh, attend like yours 
I mean, any communication there? Or yeah, I mean, it it, it really depends on. Uh, obviously, we have some strong partners that we've been uh, doing uh, great partnerships with for long other conferences in Europe and so forth. Uh, but I, but it's also like a really sensitive area because it is like you know, like, as you say, it seems like uh, the autumn will be very crowded with um, with uh, conferences that have uh, postponed into to the other half of the year. But but we look at Nordic Game as uh, as an opportunity really to expand uh, the Nordic Game name. Not we're not postponing, we're not canceling, we're doing. Nordic Game 2020 in late May, in a in a in a format that will be scaled depending on the situation. Uh, so it's too early to to be really specific about it, other than yeah. to say it will be an actual conference live in Malmo in Slagelsen. But obviously, we will have an online component for those people that want to attend but can't go. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we do a fully fledged Nordic game in late November for everybody. Even the ones that did go in May, they can. They, the ticket is uh, is for November as well. And oh, that's nice. And yeah. I think I think that's the right way to go about it because what we really want uh, is to help the community and the de- development scene without obviously losing ourselves in it, which is quite important as well, actually. Yeah. But, but I think this uh, solution is, the, is, uh, is, is, at least right now, it feels like the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, and I, even, I mean, our announcement about the November edition has already happened. We tried to make it very early, and it will happen exactly six months after our own events. So in a way, it makes sense on this division, because after six months next year, we're going to be back in May. And I don't think we're clashing with anybody so far. And uh, you know, and uh, you know, I hope that we can all cooperate. It's going to be a very intense like season as soon as this corona is over. And then uh, I think people will be so excited to actually finally be able to leave their houses, <laughs> leave their families, <laughs> and yeah. then basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah. leave the family. <laughs> can and I go now? Tra- yes. <laughs> travel the world and uh, and basically have these handshakes and and hugs and and yeah. real communication one one because in the end, you know, this is a human factor. It's a psychological part that we all need yeah. and this will not go away yeah i i, I really you. think yeah. it will have consequences on many levels uh one of them obviously the need to start exploring much much more into the remote uh remote versions of of events like like ours but at the same time i i really feel already uh, you know we're just like what three days into isolation or, or at least in denmark yeah. Uh, yeah. the, the need for social contact uh, will be stronger than ever when we are on the other side of this. And there is a human dimension in, in everything that we do, even if we work with uh, online games or whatever. Uh, the human dimension is really strong and important. And I think that one of, of the consequences of this crisis is that we, we're going to nurture that even more and appreciate it even more. Uh, be able yeah. to see how how important is it i think we all know how important a, a, a real meeting is compared to a skype call you know you can see yeah. you can feel the difference you can you can you can look into a, pe- a person's eye in, in a skype call but you cannot pick up the sense of you know are, are we on the same page really or you know th- there's so much body language yeah exactly exactly um so so i so i think uh that you know with the 
most positive glasses uh, on your on your uh, from your eyes you should see this as a as an opportunity to actually learn something about your business and about the the way that you act in life and 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 take out the best bits and and use that in uh, in the future cool yeah it's also about the memory i mean remember our first meeting right now in your bar in harlem yeah. That was yeah. an important one, right? So uh, yeah. there you go. These things matter, and some drinks Can't matter remember. too at the end of this. <laughs> I did find my house, though. <laughs> Not sure how, but automated pilot. No, but it's true. I mean, uh, it's, it's what I said before. It's like uh, you can actually ask someone, hey, how are things at home? Uh, I mean, you, you can't do that really in an online conference where other people are involved. So. Yeah. I know you guys are busy. I, I'm, I'm coming with the last question. Um, if you look at gaming today, um, can we expect anything from you guys with specifics like VR, like Facebook is doing that, I think, this week? Um, anything that you want to put on the agenda because of trends? Or Yeah, I would, I would say, you know, no matter of virus or anything else, what we've been working towards uh, the, the last, uh, last months or year uh, since the last Naughty Game uh, is uh, it's areas like uh, accessibility in gaming. I think this is going to be a major, uh, major trend or a buzzword that we will uh, we will have talks about, uh, which it basically means how accessible a game can be and how accessible it should be, and to what uh, types of, of gamers and so forth. I think that is one of the buzzwords right now. Um, obviously, we are also very keen on. On the whole uh, VR XR area, um, which is uh, going through some some really exciting uh, updates and changes, I think. So that would be a be a major part as well. And then again, from yeah. from our point of view in the Nordics, I think I think like a, a word like um, company culture is really really important and and will be even more important the larger the industry gets and the larger company gets. And and so forth. I think it's really important to 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 try to take a good look at how we can optimize the situation, the working situation for for developers, uh, in all in all aspects really, uh, and try because through that we will be able. And I would say we, as if I was a developer, which I'm not, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> as an industry, we will be able to actually create much better games with much more variety. And with a much stronger emphasis on on telling stories that can actually have an impact on your life, and yeah. only be entertaining, you know. Uh, I would yeah. like to add to this because the word impact is super important for us. And I mean, for the last two years of Nordic, we've started uh, running the Impact series with Kate Edwards um, and with uh, Tsai Lieberman. The idea was to actually really empower players through some sort of knowledge that will actually make them a better person, persons and be able to be more civically involved in their communities. And I think at this stage, especially with uh, people playing more and more games, especially in the Corona period, it's very important that the content is the right one, that the values are there so you can actually really inspire people and make them be actually more involved in their societies there's a need for connection and this can be done through gaming and we also add this as part of our uh, curriculum or content you know in the nordic game yeah yeah i'm seeing speakers uh katarina from gamigo uh jason execution labs any any more you want to mention as 
eye catchers. Oh, yeah, well, for me, it's uh, it's Chris. Uh, it's Chris from Cabby Games. I just forgot his last name because it's Polish or something. Uh, yeah, um, Piotrowski. Yes, exactly, exactly. But that is very difficult, man. Yeah. I, I uh, that is uh, because he's touching upon a part of the industry which is really uh, also a trend right now. Uh, it's the payment systems or the uh, you know the the uh, the gamer pass uh, on Xbox and the Apple Arcade on uh, on uh, on on iOS. Uh, you know the subscription based uh, kind of way that you purchase games. Uh, Stadia can be me mentioned as well, obviously. Yeah. But, but Chris is a really great example, I think, because Cabby Games created a typical free-to-play game, but turned it into a to a, a game which now is a, is one of the crown jewels of Apple Arcade. Uh, and, yeah. and there's some really interesting things gameplay-wise, I think, that they have done in that transformation. So, um, so, so I think that he's he's a really important person in our quite small speaker roster right now because my my work with speakers was uh, really heavily abrupted by the the virus. Yeah, <clears throat> but but I think but you have some very uh, interesting because I'm seeing uh, Aramak from London Venture Partners, Harry from Play Ventures. I mean that's interesting on the investment side. Yes, I'm seeing uh, DDM Martin de Koning who just acquired. Uh, digital capital. Exactly. So, some of them are in makers funds. Michael Chung. Yeah. Uh, yes. Some of them yes. make, are making waves right now. So it's very interesting to actually get a catch up from them. Uh, why they did it and 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 what they're looking for. Yeah. I mean, Play Ventures has been uberly active. I mean, oh, damn it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. A lot of stuff is is happening on the investment scene right now. I totally agree. I, also, uh, you know, internally, because uh, our boss, Eric Robertson, he has just launched uh, Naughty Game Ventures for real, doing a lot of uh, yeah. uh, interesting work. It's a little bit too early to really uh, reveal everything. <laughs> I, know, I know. Come on. But, Come but, on. Yeah, and also because <laughs> the status of everything, you know, is like up in the air right now. But but I yeah. I can uh, I can uh, assure you that you will hear more from that part of uh, of Naughty Game as well. Which I think is a is a really interesting take on investments and funds and how they have been working so far, but that's that's what I want to reveal right now. <laughs> yeah, just to add to this uh, right now, that also like one of the major companies of Nordic Game is the actual focus on buyers meeting with like uh, amazing content because not only that the uh, Nordic companies they have great education in schools like you know um, uh, potential for excellence which we can see in, uh, in terms of how the businesses that laid out and their success in the games industry, but also like the, uh, the whole culture there is about you know just basically being able to to connect and to 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 receive feedback and then we're bringing like two uh, major things in Nordic one of those the games capital summit on day zero of the conference in which proper vcs from around the world meet with studios and they provide feedback and connections there and the second part which is basically my own baby is the publisher market that we've been running for four years and this one is focused on project funding and matchmaking with curated uh, studios for a marathon session with the help of meet to match uh, which is one of our amazing partners that i want to mention yeah. here they've done a great job with us we've we've grown together for the past uh, i don't know how many years jacob maybe like six seven but they were our first uh, meeting we were their first client and they were our first client also for the meeting side and i think they should receive all the support they can get now in these tough times because uh, with all the events being cancelled uh, they have an amazing software there that can actually use for others to uh, to uh, to be able to to work together so uh yeah, big, big uh, hugs to ansgar and fedor who are actually very close to you in holland right so yeah yeah 
So then we have the NG20 and the NG20+, plus, which is in November. So May 27th to 29th and November 25th to 27th. Mm-hmm. Early bird is still apply, uh, uh, to be applied or are we too late? No, you're not. No, 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 you're not too late. We, uh, we, uh, it's still applicable. And it, again, if you buy a pass now, it's applicable for both conferences and you can attend both. So you actually get two in one for one ticket. So I will, I will really, really stress people to go out and buy the passes now because it will help and support us in our yeah. try to help and support the communities of game development. Yeah. And then I have one last question. The uh, academic pass. Who, for who is that? That is for, for students and every, all persons working within the educational field. Yeah, cool. Cool. Well, guys, um, thank you very much for explaining. And um, I'm definitely, uh, if I can fly, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a private jet yet. <laughs> but I definitely will come out. And uh, when, when are you sort of, uh, what is your last, um, how you say that, your deadline to decide either a, a conference can go or not? I mean, we will, we, obviously, if let's say the worst possible situation is the government refuses us to do uh, to do events in late may then then you know that we will have to uh, follow this these restrictions but before that yeah. it, it will it will be uh, it will be uh, decided of this of the actual size of nordic game 20 in may the size will depend on how many people we can expect will wanting to be there be there physically and and those questions, it's a little bit too early for us to set like a strict deadline, but 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 in in you know in weeks before the conference actually starts, that will be have been decided. So I would say like right now, late April, we will know. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I want to be more optimistic than Donald Trump and not think that we're going to go all the way to like August or September <laughs> uh, with a mess in the U.S. health service, and say that perhaps in two months we're going to actually start relaxing the uh, the procedures and feeling better, and then uh, you know. The world will be ready to move again. Yeah, Fingers I agree. Just, but just don't use all the toilet paper when you buy it, please. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, I can't reveal how many I have. It's a lot. I'm one of those. <laughs> I'm going to make it easy to end of August, so no worries. <laughs> well, I would just, uh, even preppers are welcome to join Naughty Game. Okay, I'm there. <laughs> okay, guys. <laughs> Thank we'll you have very enough toilet paper for everybody involved. Don't you worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank, Thank you for, for inviting us. Yeah. Uh, Renault, I, I uh, yes. hope that uh, I will see you in May in Nordic. Yeah, yeah, hope so too. And uh, best of luck and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Thanks, Teddy. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So that was all for today, episode 12. And as you can imagine, I'm still tweaking the format. And as I said, Companies to Watch is an item that comes back next week. Um, I'm getting the hang of doing these interviews, but also the editing of the podcast. Um, I'm having some very interesting guests lined up for the next coming weeks. So that's also pretty good. Um I'm getting uh, really nice viewer ratings and I want to thank you all for 
listening, but also uh, I'm noticing that people are spreading it amongst their communities or inside their gaming companies, which is nice. And um, as always, I do ask you if you have interesting news or topics, well, do share it. You do have my Gmail address and um, you can reach also uh, myself. I went on to Facebook again, which I have been off since, well, five years or something. So uh, you can send me a message there or LinkedIn or Twitter or whatsoever. Feel free. And in the meantime, uh, a message to the gaming industry. Guys, um, it's tough. It's rough. Uh, we're dealing with a coronavirus. I think uh, there are people that are saying, ah, Let's be a little bit more reluctant about it. Um, the flu has killed more. Um, true. But on the other hand, I want to say that every life counts. Every every human being counts. So let's be careful. I hope you guys will be careful and um, stay safe. And yeah, in the meantime, listen to my other episodes of Game Consultant. Thank you very much. Stay safe. Ciao for now. This was all for today. Thanks so much for listening to Game Consultant. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. And remember, do share this podcast with other members of the games industry.